thanks for tuning in to Mental Health Musings, a podcast through the CSU Health Network. Every podcast focuses on a different topic pertaining to mental health and well-being. No two episodes are the same. Thanks for tuning in and remember to be kind to yourself. everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Mental Health Musings. It's been a while. We are so glad to be here for the academic year 23-24. So I'm Stephanie, still the host. I use the She Series pronouns. I work in the health network and my specific title is the coordinator of well-being. I'm joined by two of my co-hosts for today and also a special guest. So I'll turn it over to my co-host to introduce themselves. I'm Lauren. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a senior here at CSU. I'm majoring in psychology with a concentration in clinical counseling. I am a student program assistant in the HEPS office at the Health Network. My name is Peter Frito. I use he, him pronouns. I am a third year human development and family studies major. I have a concentration in prevention and intervention science, and I'm also one of the student program assistants at the Health Network. And I am honored to have our guests introduce themselves, and thank you so much for giving us your time. I know it's a busy time of the year. So glad to be here. So my name is Michael Buttram. I use the he series pronouns, and I am the basic need manager here at CSU, which means primarily that I focus on food, housing, and transportation security. That's great. And that leads us right into our first question. If you wouldn't mind expanding upon your title and kind of like, what is the day-to-day? You know, what is your role uh, responsible for, et cetera? So while I said my title is the basic needs manager, that's an aspirational title. I primarily work with food insecurity. So we have a number of resources on campus. It's kind of a menu of programs, if you will. And we understand that food insecurity doesn't have one specific face that people are going to have different needs at different times. So we have a number of different options to try to meet people where they're at. And that could mean a food pantry for some, but those who don't have a kitchen might not need that resource. So we have a meal swipe program. We have the RAM food recovery program. Each of these attempts to make sure that all of our campus is going to have their food needs met at any given time in a way that really affirms their dignity. And that's what we're all about. But as I said, it's aspirational. We work as a basic needs collective around campus, and I partner with off-campus life, with student case management, with the Office of Financial Aid, and we also attempt to tackle some of this tricky issue around housing security. But as you can imagine, in an area where housing is not so easy to come by, it's a little easier for us to find food resources than it is housing. And so we do our best to make sure that the basic need of food security is met first, and then we're moving on from there. That's great. I really liked how you said there's multiple faces to it because I feel like for me personally, there's been a lot of, I do use the food pantry on campus and it's been great in times of need because I have a lot of help from my family, but that's one aspect that maybe they feel like I need to struggle a little bit. And I've had a lot of, like I said, guilt around going to the pantry, but there was times my sophomore year where I was like, I am no longer on the swipes program because that came freshman year for me. And I was like, I cannot afford groceries. Like I'm eating frozen meals every night. And I I actually ended up volunteering with you guys and planting some vegetables. And you guys really emphasized the fact that these are going to the food pantry. And I was like, these are really nice looking vegetables. And (laughs) I really need some of that. And you really, you guys really helped me out in terms of like being able to fuel my body when I was a little bit lost. I'm really, really grateful that you were able to bring that up. And thanks for sharing your story because it is similar to so many people. That's one of the first things I want to say is if you or somebody you know is facing 
food insecurity at any level, we invite you into the pantry. We certainly are not struggling to keep the shelves stocked. We have enough to go around. That's a stigma that I will really want to debunk is that you're taking it from somebody who needs it more. That's not the truth. We have enough. Secondly, these are your student fees at work. It belongs to you. I've never heard anybody say, oh, I'm not going to go to the rec center because somebody needs it more. No, you paid for it. You might as well use it. And then lastly, we are reducing food waste by using the pantry in a, in a, in a pretty profound sense. Much of the food that we get comes through the Feeding America pipeline. Feeding America identifies products that won't make it to the primary market and then redirects them to the secondary market. And that would mean all the food banks across the United States. Food Bank of Larimer County is one of those. We are a partner of the Food Bank of Larimer County. We're a partner agency. So when the t- potatoes are too small on somebody's 800 acres, those potatoes would have gone to waste. Feeding America identifies them and they redirect them through the secondary market. We'll get those potatoes. So when you come into the pantry, you're going to see the twisted carrots. You're going to see the bent cucumbers. You're going to see the giant apples and the small potatoes and the oddly shaped onions. All of this nutritionally is perfectly good because we're such a culture infatuated with the aesthetics of things at the market, we don't sell them and they would have gone to waste. So that's the third part is you're actually helping us reduce food waste. We also get food from a variety of sources like companies will, well, for example, we had a pallet of Lucky Charms without one of the charms. <laughs> what? <laughs> on, uh, yeah, believe it or not, those are the kind of things that happen on the production line. So if something is miscalibrated and it seals off on the seam or the printing is off on miss, like it's missing labeled in some way. Not allergens or ingredients. Those have to be correct. But if they cut off the E on a word, they can't put that on the shelf. And that could have been truckloads of whatever product identified by Feeding America, channeled through the the food resourcing that we get. And that's how we can continue to serve so many people with a small budget. So we're serving about 500 people per week now, and we are happy to see more coming through our doors. I wanted to say that I really like that you identified the the reducing food waste too, because I know that at least from my high school too, that was one thing that they were like trying to do too. And you could see my face, like I was shocked, like hearing all the things you're talking about, like how little it could be. And that's why they are identifying as not going on the shelves, I think is really impactful to know. And it helps me also too, because I was feeling a um, a little bit like Lauren in the way where I kind of, I don't need as much help with food wise, but I still do go to the pantries and get food too. So I'm like, I like being able to have that and knowing that it's a part of my student fees doing this, helping to reduce food waste is honestly helping me like even now change my mindset around the way that I view the pantries too. I just wanted to ask also, how common is food insecurity or, or things like that around college campuses with college students? Yeah, it's much more of a prevalent issue than people will recognize campuses across the nation are starting to speak honestly about it. I think it was a very uncomfortable issue. And so I'm going to just be very frank here. For a campus to acknowledge that there is some level of food insecurity is the same as saying college costs too much. So that's an uncomfortable place for any institution to be in. It was really COVID that allowed us to come a little, to be a little more honest about the whole thing. And I think that was the case with COVID in a lot of ways. It shone a harsh light on a lot of truths. And so people started talking about them. This was the same way with food insecurity on a college campus. We'd been seeing increasing numbers of food insecurity. And when COVID hit, more and more institutions were comfortable saying, because of the 
increase in need due to COVID, which mm-hmm. was there before, but due to COVID, we're going to go ahead and start a pantry on campus. Fine. Whatever made it happen, that's great. Now we have a pantry on campus. So yeah, we're going we're gonna to acknowledge that that had been there before. I will point to the most recent data that we're looking at, and this comes from the Hope Center for College Community and Justice. They do a survey every few years. Actually, it's going to be back to every year coming up. The 2020 version was coordinated through 164 institutions with hundreds of thousands of college students participating, and it showed that around 3 in 10 college students are facing food insecurity. And it is a bigger number than most people are going to recognize. That could mean anything from, I only have enough to eat pasta. I'm getting enough food, but it's only pasta. I don't have money for milk, eggs, produce. Those type of things are out of my budget. Or it could be all the way up to, I'm skipping six meals a week because I just don't have the money for it. So all those things are food insecurity, and that's where those varying levels are going to have different answers to them. But those are the most recent numbers that we have. Actually, we're looking at some new data that shows an increase in that, and I think that's going to have a lot to do with inflation. Everybody's facing some inflation, and the bills at the store are looking much more daunting, so you're making more choices. If you know you can come to the Ramskins Hunger Pantry and knock out a lot of your produce, maybe get a gallon of milk, cut your grocery bill in half, then you can go back to the grocery store and get those products that we aren't able to always have on our shelves. I'm definitely currently feeling those higher grocery prices right now. So I'm very Me thankful <laughs> I have you guys. You mentioned that COVID you guys kind of picked up. Has Ramsing and Tunger been around CSU for a long time? Or like are all these programs, are they newer? Are they new to CSU? Yeah. So let me give you the brief synopsis of history. And I first will give a whole bunch of credit to my supervisor and the person who started Ramsgans Hunger, really. Her name is Dr. Jen Johnson. Um, shout out to her. She was seeing the writing on the wall quite some time ago, recognizing that more and more students were facing this issue and started to think about a swipes program. So that's number one on our list. It started in 2015. We now allocate 30 to 50 swipes to students who meet a certain eligibility criteria. Do you mind, um, before you go on, can you elaborate a little bit on the swipes? Yeah. So by that, I mean a meal swipe at the dining hall. So a student who is facing really high levels of food insecurity can apply with us. There's an application process. This is our only mechanism that's going to have kind of gatekeeping. Um, And we're just looking for students who are experiencing some of the higher levels of food insecurity. If students are granted those swipes, they get 30 to 50, depending on some levels. And you use those as anybody else with a meal plan does. They don't look any different. It's hopefully dignity affirming. You walk up, you want to give one to your friend, that's your choice. You get to use them the way you want to. So you get all the choices at the dining hall. You have the ease and comfort of being here on campus. You have all the options for dietary restrictions. So this is a really wonderful mechanism and it's the least cost effective that we have. So we're raising money for this right now. We have 647 students on the program, but that means a whole lot of fundraising. Not so easy, but we have some really generous donors and alumni and staff and folks who do this as a monthly contribution out of their paycheck, who you probably know some of them. And when I get to look at that list, it's very heartwarming. I'll say that. Is there another way that maybe students who have swipe programs, or, you know, who live on campus, just like was Lauren saying, and they have a dining meal or a meal plan, can they donate swipes? Funny you should ask, Stephanie. <laughs> this week, going on right now as we speak, is the Swipes for Rams program. Students who are meal plan holders 
who have guest passes. They are also called bonus meals. You have 20 of those, I believe. You can donate two of them to Rams Against Hunger, and in that way, we'll probably raise another 4,000 swipes. So that's our goal anyway. And uh, we've been in the dorms the past couple of days. You might have seen us asking for those swipes. If you haven't done it yet and you want to consider doing it, there will be emails coming to all meal plan holders, all 6,000 of them. It about breaks my computer when I do the mail merge. Mm -hmm. But we're asking for everybody to participate. Can you donate swipes at any time or does it have to be during this one week? Regrettably, it's only during this one week. That's our deal with housing and dining. Thank you so much. I know I kind of derailed from your list. So oh, thanks yeah. for talking about the swipes program and then I'll let you continue on okay. with Lauren's question. <laughs> yeah, I'll get back to so the history. That's where we started. At that time, we were recognizing, whoa, this is a bigger issue than we thought it was. More and more people are coming out of the woodwork. What else can we do? The Food Bank for Larimer County had just been starting this new idea of mobile food pantries. They pack up everything into a couple of big semi-trucks. They load it out onto a parking lot with a whole bunch of tables and serve a whole bunch of people in one fell swoop. It just so happened that then-President Tony Frank was on the board at the food bank at that time and said, why don't we do this at CSU? So that's where this relationship was born out of. Wonderful chance for us to try this out. We started with, I think our first pantry, the mobile pantry, we served 250 people in a couple of hours. By the time we stopped doing them regularly so that we could, well, because of COVID and because we had opened the real pantry, we were serving 900 in two hours every Thursday, last Thursday of the month. But if you couldn't make it on the last Thursday of the month, you were out of luck. And we recognized that wasn't meeting the need. That's when we started to petition for a permanent pantry on campus. Finding real estate on this campus is not that easy. We had a wonderful gentleman named Fred Haverecht. He was our campus planner for a long time, and he deserves credit because before he left, before he retired, he was like, you know, this is my parting gift. I'm going to find this pantry. Mm -hmm. And he was the one who located that space. He was the one who helped us get the contracts through and everything else. So shout out to Fred. That's the pantry. That's the history of the pantry there. In that time period while we were doing the mobile pantries, ASCSU had a great idea to start some pocket pantries. There were a couple of key folks who got that off the ground. We have eight locations currently, and they're trying to meet people where they're at, where there might be some need. So we have a few at the SDPS offices, one out of ASCSU, one at the Health Network, one at the stadium, one at uh, University Apartments, one at Aggie Family Village International. And these are more grab-and-go items. It's not going to meet your grocery needs, but if you came onto campus, and you don't have lunch and you don't have the money to buy lunch, we got you covered. You got a granola bar or something in there. How can students find the exact location of those pocket pantries? rah.colostate.edu. Ramsagainsthunger.colostate.edu. If you look it up, I mean, just type in Rams Against Hunger. I don't think there's another one. We're the only one. Um, and we'll make sure to drop all these links um, in the or the episode description. So check those out. And on that website, you'll find a map with all those locations marked. Also, kindly, because this is an issue that really rallies people and they just gives them a chance to do good things and usually people show up. Uh, the folks who run the interactive map, this is the only thing that stays on the interactive map. When you open the interactive map, there aren't in many things labeled, but Ramsgan's Hunger Pantries are on there and the, and the real pantry. So again, interactive map people, you rock. <laughs> That's the pocket pantries. And finally, we're going to mention our Ram Food Recovery. We partner with the Sustainability Commission and Housing and Dining, and they 
will all the food from the catered events would typically go to waste. They have a text chain with 1,700 people on it, and they are going to text everybody and say, hey, 35 bagels left over. Hey, 27 pizzas left over. Hey, 14 plates of enchiladas left over. You can go get it, or you can choose to ignore that text. You want to be on the text chain? It's on our website again, and no harm if you choose to ignore them all, or you can find yourself eating some nice or warm meals, and uh, yeah. We don't have as much food waste in the process. And that's only on housing side? That's or? the housing side for catering. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. We're working with other areas. Athletics catering, the Oakview Group, the lovely people that they are, they bring all their leftovers down to temperature. We go pick them up from them and we serve them at the pantry. So, I mean, sometimes we have steak and salmon mm-hmm. and all these lovely wow. meals catered by athletics and and they will give us make sure nothing goes to waste so yeah you can walk away from the pantry sometimes with a gallon of milk and sometimes with a steak dinner you just never know <laughs> so this is a personal question to me so as a full-time staff member mm-hmm. you and i have had a conversation michael and i are, are pretty good friends and i had mentioned before like i would really love to go to the pantry because as csu staff um sometimes my paycheck doesn't stretch as far as it needs to and it's tough to wait for the next month. And so I know you and I have had a conversation about that and you're like, please come. And I have had those same thoughts of like, well, I'm a staff. This is for students. I don't think I should go. And I know you've been very um, adamant of like, come. Because one, if staff and faculty come, then students, it helps to reduce the stigma for students of like, oh, like other people need it, not just students. And as you mentioned, it's student fee funded. So how are how are staff and faculty able to yeah. utilize that resource? Student fee funded in part, yes, but there are a number of other sources that we're drawing revenue from. And again, because we're a partner of the Food Bank for Larimer County, mm. this is for everyone in gotcha. the county. And as you pointed out, you're helping to normalize this. I think what we need to recognize is in the United States, we throw away, and this is going to just hurt to even hear it, but between 30 and 40% of the food that we produce is wasted in this country. What food banks are doing is trying to flip that script and say like, no, this is what a stronger community being wise stewards of our resource looks like. We repurpose that food that might have been wasted and we ensure that everybody in the community is stronger for it. So I think using the pantry, if you want to consider it your job at making our community stronger, your job at making us better stewards of our resources, I have no problem walking away with a couple gallons of milk or the loaf of bread when I when I need something. I have a family of four and I feel it the crunch at the store and with the housing market that we're under. I'm going to use that resource as well. I feel like this is how we change our understanding of push back against that individualism and a little bit of the capitalist drive to make sure that everybody must pay for every Sometimes it works better when we share. I feel validated, just like Lauren Peter said, to know that there it's funded by other sources that make it for everyone and that I'm helping reduce waste. And I will say, personally, I finally went and I walked in and I was surprised that a majority of the folks that were there were also staff. So that also helped empower me to kind of take away that guilt. And then another time I talked to some students in our office and they had gone to the pocket pantry and I said, did you know about the Rams Against Hunger pantry, the bigger? one. um, And they said no. So we went together as a little trip and they were like, oh, I didn't know this existed. And and they are, you know, they saw eggs and, you know, things that you wouldn't get the pocket pantry. And I was like, all right.
right. See you later. And I just filled up my bag with eggs and some peppers. And they were like, this is so great. Thanks for letting us know. And now we know to come here. And so that was pretty cool to have that little field trip and bonding experience. Yeah. Something else that was really comforting my first time walking into the food pantry was that it literally was just your name and your student ID. I had this idea that I was going to walk in and you guys were going to ask me all these questions about what I was going through. And I was like, just handed them my RAM ID. And then I was like, cool, you're good to go. And I was like, really? That's it? We understand that it can be a bit of a, a, there's different feelings that one is going to feel when they walk into that situation. And we want everybody to be at their most comfortable. So a lot of times what helps that is exactly what you're doing, Stephanie. You, You bring somebody in with you, you show them how at ease you are in this situation. And by doing that, you're doing the biggest favor for them. So if you might not even need the pantry at all, and you know your friend does, go with them. Get some groceries, both of you, and then have them feel that much more comfortable going back again another time and maybe bring in somebody with them. Yeah, that was a really good tip to like help others. Are there any other ways students can get involved with Rams Against Hunger? We always need volunteers for our mobile pantries. We still do those mobile pantries. They're good fundraising and awareness raising, excuse me, not fundraising, awareness raising events. So we just want more people to know about us. So you can reach out to me and my email is michael.buttram at colostate.edu and or just look on the website and we would put you on a volunteer list. We have, you mentioned being a part of the Growing Food Security Project, which I love talking about. So this is an effort that we've done in collaboration with the Agricultural Research Education and Development Center, RDEC, and a couple of PhD students, ones in atmospheric sciences, and the couple who who started this off were a couple of folks getting PhDs in crop and soil sciences, and they work with us. We have an acre plot out there, And we harvested 11,600 pounds of produce last year. This year we hit over 9,000. We had a tricky June to navigate in the farming world. I'm learning a whole lot about working the land that I never knew. And I'm just so enjoying that. But we need volunteers for that. We pick weeds all summer. We harvest. We plant. If you think that sounds idyllic like I do, come out and join us some evening and we even usually feed you. Yeah, it's a great group of people. I know sometimes people even um, make food like zucchini bread or yeah. some type of dessert with whatever they picked the week before. It's a great group of yeah. people. I unfortunately couldn't go too much this past season, but I would definitely encourage anyone if they have the free time. It's also fun. You get to spend time outside and meet new people, people you probably wouldn't spend normal time with. Right, right. It was an eclectic group and a whole lot of fun. It's not very many crop and soil sciences folks because they get this opportunity all the time. So it's usually people who are like, I've always wanted to do something with land and dirt and growing and I've never had the chance. So come out and join us. As a, as a horticulture miner, this sounds like a really cool opportunity to do. And I think I'll definitely take that up soon. I wanted to go back to talking about like different stigmas and everything else around kind of using the um, Rams Against Hunger and then the different pocket pantries. How does food insecurity impact mental health well-being? Ask. I know that being a student too and having different food insecurities can impact mental health and grades and everything, but I just wanted to see how else it impacts. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, there's going to be that academic impact that you're noting. So GPAs will fall. People's persistence rates and graduation rates are going to go down. We finally, we worked with a group of students of color who are STEM majors and they're called United in STEM. And they did an awesome research project for us last year. So shout out to that crew. And we found a very strong correlation between the use of the pantry and persistence rates, retention rates, and a higher GPA. In fact, we could pinpoint a 
and I'm, I'm not going to have this data correctly, but if I remember something close to a 0.02 increase in GPA for every single time a person used the pantry. What? So somebody who used it once had this X and the next person who used it twice, our data can show. And it's, it's very, it's, this is, this is confiable data. We had good, good people scouring it. You, you have a 0.02 increase every time somebody uses the pantry. So you come in 10 times, you're going to have a 0.1 increase in your GPA. That's reducing stress. It's letting folks know that they don't have to worry about where the next meal comes from. And that extra energy and brain power and well-being, it, that that level of calm is bound to have some effect positively on your academic performance as well. And you just have more time to fully participate in your experience while at school instead of trying to take on the third job. My jaw dropped. I'm not a college student, but I would go anyways a staff to try to increase <laughs> stuff to a point. That is amazing. Right. Right, we do yeah. yeah. No, I that mean, is it, so cool. Yeah. And just, yeah. Way to go, United STEM. Yeah. For finding awesome that information. Yeah. yeah. Hearing those numbers is like jaw dropping, but it also like makes total sense. Like you said, if you have one less thing on your plate, that's really, it can change a lot in what's going on, how your day works. Yeah. Do you have any other resources around Fort Collins that you would like to share? You've mentioned a couple of partners you guys work with, but any yeah. other ones that maybe say the food pantry might be closed? No worries if not. Yeah. I don't know. Well, again, because we're a partner agency with the Food Bank for Larimer County, really got to mention them in every breath. We can't do what we do without them. So this is impossible work if we didn't have that partnership. Um, we buy some foods outside of the food bank, but that going once to Shamrock to buy pocket pantry snacks is five times what it costs to get our weekly deliveries for three weeks from the food bank. Um, so go to the food bank, check it out. They have a couple of locations, one in Loveland, one in Fort Collins. The one in Fort Collins is on Blue Spruce um, up near the college King Supers, the North College King Supers, and you can get a little better selection even than we have, but we typically have about the same things. Vindicate Foods, if you've ever heard of them, they are a food rescue uh, resource and nonprofit. Wonderful person named Nathan who uh, started and runs that, and they're going to be another source. Eshes, place like that that are um, recognizing that we we don't have to let all this food go to waste. There's there is a good way and even an ability to make profit. Two wonderful young men from Boulder have started an organization called Goodie Bag, and they're finding out where all the restaurants are that have food left over and want to make a little bit of money back off that. They can sell for up to 40% of the original cost. Mm. You have the app, you check and you see what's available that night, and it's going to say, hey, there's a goodie bag left at Sunny Lubick's Steakhouse. You're going to go get something at a fraction of the price. You're not always quite sure what you're walking away with, but it's going to be the meals that were prepped that didn't get utilized. So goodie bag. I use that. I think it's called Too Good To Go. Or at least okay. that's something different. There, there but could be many. I use that one and it's like only right now it's like in the Fort Collins area because there's not a lot of restaurants. But I know that being a part of that restaurants can get an incentive. Like they can get some money back for having this because I, I think the av restaurant available is Garbanzo's right now. Okay. And I think I can get like a bowl of something for like $3. Yeah. And it's super nice to be able to. I would do that a lot over yeah. the summer because I'm like, I don't really want to go out and buy something or get something i can just yeah. get a full meal for four dollars um with these ways of saving food too, i know you mentioned these are the pantries on campus available for students during uh fall and winter break also i regret not during the fall break but we will be open 
the majority of the winter break. We won't be open between the, the week of, that's between the Christmas holiday and New Year's. We're going to be closed that week. Otherwise, we will be open. We're, we're typically open four days a week, Monday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays from 3 to 6, Tuesdays from 9 a.m. to 12. Just trying to make some options for people so they can find us. Awesome. Well, all those other resources you listed too should be open during yep. Yep. other breaks. If the building is open, then the pocket pantry will be open. So that's dependent. Well, thank you so much, uh, Michael and Peter and Lauren, for this really informed conversation. I guess as we wrap up, Michael, do you want to share any last bits of wisdom or um, wanting to promote any of your programs? I do. Yes. There's one thing I haven't, I've neglected to say this whole time, but it is one of the key mechanisms in fighting food insecurity. And this is SNAP benefits. So our partner at Student Case Management, and you can look up their website, Student Case Management, you can click on for an appointment. You will have a short conversation with them and discuss a few financial aspects of your life. And they'll tell you, yeah, you actually should apply for SNAP benefits or mm, that's probably not worth your time because it's a bit of an application process. There are a number of ways that a student can be eligible for this. One of the primary is if you are a work-study student and get federal awarded work-study, you should definitely apply. If you have a zero EFC, you should definitely apply. What's EFC? Estimated family contribution oh, okay. when you fill out the FAFSA. Gotcha. Um, so if you know that you qualify and you have one of those factors, apply for this. You can get up to $291 on a very discreet EBT card and you use it at any grocery store. My good friends, Shay and Jenny, Shay Lentz and Jenny Barron over at Student Case Management can help you walk through this process. And it, that could be a game changer for you. I always see those signs and always wonder, right? How can someone apply? And yeah. I'm glad to hear, because I also know that's also a stigma thing, right? Of applying for a program like that. And yeah. so appreciate you can do that at CSU. It's a small conversation. Jenny and um, Shay. Shay will yeah. walk you through the process and then even the card is like it's not a glaring like you know yeah. snap at it right it's just you know a little more discreet yeah one way that I like to help destigmatize um, when we're talking about snap benefits is there are other federal programs federal benefit programs that a student would never balk at would never say no to and that would be a Pell Grant if you qualify for a Pell Grant I've never heard of a student saying oh no no, I couldn't. Or even thinking twice. You you qualify for the Pell Grant. That is yours. And it is to help you be your best self and fully participate in your college experience. That's the same way we could reframe SNAP benefits. It is part of your federal benefits package. It should be tacked on right when you apply for financial aid. We should just show that to you. If you look at your financial aid package on your RAM web, sometimes there'll be a button up top that says, or a little message up top that says, hey, you likely qualify for SNAP benefits. That's, we're, we're trying, we're getting better about that. That's our partners, our good partners at Office Financial Aid. And we're giving people a little better communication about the fact that they might be eligible. If you didn't get that message, that doesn't mean you're not eligible. You should still check it out. Yeah. I really appreciate that and all this information that I didn't know. And I'm looking my student staff they're like uh big eyed <laughs> we had some moments of like what and i think that you really emphasize about mental health well-being that it's not a single you know we talk about it's not a single issue that it mental well-being is consistent like lots of things can contribute to that we do a presentation about physical self-care which focuses on sleep and movement and eating and i think this is a great example of how eating or food in general can really like you said impact our mental well-being and here's one resource that can help uh, alleviate some of that and so um, for those listening we will have links in 
our episode description for you to uh, go to to get more of these resources. Also, if you like this episode or you want to know, you want to have other topics, there will be a link as well to go to our survey. Please uh, fill that out. It's a very quick survey. We would love to hear your feedback because we want to know what to talk about. And so, yes, appreciate that. Um, So with that, Michael, thank you so, so much for being here and giving us your time and all this information and from the work you, your staff, and your office are doing. Just so much gratitude to you all. I just feel, no, this is, you know, when you find that that position where you're, it's just as fulfilling as anything that I could ever find. So I feel very, I feel grateful to have the role. Yeah. And then thank you to Peter and Lauren for being um, my co-hosts for this episode. Appreciate your feedback and um, as students and being able to share experiences. Well, thank you all and we'll see you next time. for listening to this episode of the Mental Health Musings podcast. You can find this episode and others on KCSU's website, the CSU Health Network's website, and Spotify. All links will be in the podcast description. Lastly, there is an evaluation survey that I encourage you to fill out. It's how we get better and to know what future topics to talk about. Those details are also in the description. Thanks again, everyone. And remember to be kind to yourself.